You know, gift giving is tricky business. Some people are really good at it, and some people are not. I am not. I've given my wife some really, really bad gifts in the past. We're talking like 50-50 chance that she returns them. And, uh, and she's really good at it, which really burns me up. Here's the difference. She starts early, so she's probably thinking now about Christmas 2020, about what she's going to get. She pays attention. She knows what everybody wants and needs. She just listens in on those little details all throughout the year, and she just knows how to find the perfect thing for everybody. I wait to the last minute, and I don't pay attention to anything. And so that lends to my not being very good at giving gifts. Today, we are going to talk about the gift that is Jesus. The gift that God gave us. And let me tell you that God gives the best gifts. If you've ever, if you've been with us here in December, we've been talking about this idea that that God has been working on this gift of Jesus all along. It was the plan from the very beginning. God has been patient. He knows us. He knows what we need and what we want. And God, in just the right time, When his people felt alone and hopeless, God offered a promise. And so what we want to do today is we want to take a look at an Old Testament passage that foretells the coming of Jesus, and then we're going to take a look at a New Testament passage that talks about Jesus' birth, before and after, knowing that there were these dark times where God's people felt hopeless, where God's people felt alone, Or maybe even God's people felt abandoned. But that God spoke into that and said, hold on. I've got a promise that is coming for you. I've got a gift for you that will change everything. And then we'll read in the New Testament about that announcement and that arrival of the gift that we know as Jesus. Because the gift of Jesus changes everything. It's why we're here today. It's why we celebrate. It's why Christmas is such a big deal. Christmas is literally the celebration of God giving us the gift that is Jesus Christ. And that child and that birth changed the world. So I want you to do is turn in your Bible to Micah chapter 5. You can use your Bible if you brought one. You can use your app on your smartphone. There's some Bibles in the, uh, in the pews in front of you there. Um, if you need a Bible, you can pick one up at the hub. But we just want to take a look really quickly at what Micah chapter 5 has to say. Again, this was written well before Jesus ever came. And so this was Micah telling God's people about a promise that was to come in the future. So we're going to pick up in Micah chapter 5, starting with verse 2. He says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrapath, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son." And the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach 
to the ends of the earth. That's what Micah had to say. That's the prophecy from God to his people. And so there's some things that I want us to see there. There's some things that stand out, and I just want us to kind of slow down a bit and walk through this Micah passage. First thing he says is that though Bethlehem is small, out of you will come one who will rule over Israel. And see, I believe that Bethlehem was a, was a, was a small, insignificant country. And if it wasn't for King David, and if it wasn't for Jesus, none of us standing here today would have ever heard of this town. But here is some good news for you. God loves to do big things in small. Right? And things that seem insignificant and things that seem underwhelming, God loves to show up there and show out. And so that's good news for us because maybe you're feeling small. Maybe you're feeling insignificant. Maybe you're feeling overlooked. Maybe you feel like that you don't matter. You're just the kind of person that God wants to use. You're just the kind of person that God wants to show off with. You're just the kind of person that God wants to reach in and transform. Bethlehem, it says, was the smallest of all the clans. But God marked it as the place where Jesus would be born. God loves to show up in those unused, overlooked spaces and do amazing things. And so be on the lookout for what God maybe wants to do in you. He also says that there will be times of, there will be a time of silence until the child was born. He says there will be times from the outside, maybe it'll look like that God's people have been abandoned. Maybe it'll look like that God's walked out on them. Maybe it'll look like that God doesn't care. But he says you have to hold on and be patient. We need to be patient and realize that God has a plan. There are times in all of our lives where we feel like that God is less active. We feel like that God has gone silent. Or maybe we feel like that God doesn't care. In the midst of our pain and in the midst of our tragedy and in the midst of our brokenness, it can feel that way sometimes. And what we need to do is what we need to realize that God has a plan. And even when we can't see it and even when we don't know that it's there, we have to have the faith that says, you know what, I believe that God is working on something here, that God is going to do something here. And that's exactly what God did with Jesus. Another thing that he points out is that he will shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. God's promise is one of care and protection. That's what shepherds did. Shepherds watched over their flock. They watched over their sheep. And their job was to protect them and to care for them. And so God's promise is that Jesus was going to come and care and protect his people. That the gift of Jesus was one of protection and love. Another thing that was said is that his greatness will reach the ends of the earth. And how cool is it to think that 2,000 years later, we still celebrate the birth of Jesus. 
that we still celebrate the impact that Jesus has made. That while I understand that, that there are dark corners of this world that have still not been reached with the name of Jesus, that, and Jesus' name is spread pretty far, that there are not many places left that have not heard of or do not know who Jesus is. And those that don't, we are still working desperately to bring the name of Jesus to them. Jesus' greatness will reach the ends of the earth. And so as we think about the promise that was made beforehand, right? The upcoming gift that would be Jesus. Some of us are in that waiting period. Some of us are anticipating, some of us are looking forward to, some of us are yearning for what God is about to do. And I'll just remind you of what we said at the very beginning. God gives great gifts. God gives amazing gifts. And he knows and he pays attention to and he understands exactly what it is that what what we need. And I believe that just as God gave us Jesus, that what our circumstances are, that God will deliver us in those times of need. may not be exactly what it is that we imagine, but God is going to show up in a mighty way. And so now we want to take a look at, we took a look at the Old Testament, the, the story, uh, the prophecy that was the foretelling of Jesus coming. So now we want to look at Jesus' birth. And so what we want to do is we want to take a look at Luke chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. But instead of reading it for you, I'm going to turn it over and let a friend of mine read it for you. Why don't you check out Linus? I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. That's what Christmas is all about. The story of hope that comes from the birth of Jesus. Side note, did you notice that Linus goes everywhere with his blanket? He never puts his blanket down, but when he says, fear not, and begins to talk about the message of hope that comes from Jesus, he drops his blanket. Cool little side thing, and he picks it up at the end when he walks off the stage. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in the manger because there was no room available for them 
Luke chapter 2, verses 6 through 11, what we just heard from Linus, we're going to take a look at it on the screen. This is what it says. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. I want to take a few things that that we learn from this passage, and we just want to take a look at them. First thing I want you to see is who the message is delivered to. So God shows up in the form of an angel. An angel arrives to give this message from God to these shepherds. Shepherds, and I, and I find that curious because we just heard this prophecy from Micah that, that Jesus will be a shepherd of his people. And so God has his son being born that's going to be king of the world, and he shows up in the middle of an abandoned field with a few shepherds to make this triumphal announcement. But remember what we said at the beginning. God loves to show up in the small places. God loves to utilize and values the overlooked. And so this message comes to shepherds. Those who would have been outcasts, those who have been overlooked, those who would have no status. I mean, imagine if a king was being born today. Who would that announcement go to? Who would that birth announcement go to? It would go to the most powerful people in the world. They would want that announcement to be, you know, I mean, broadcast over to everyone. But God chose to make his birth announcement of his son in a field to shepherds watching over their flock. So some of the things that we see in this passage is the first statement is that do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's a sentiment that is repeated often in the Bible several times by Jesus himself. And when God shows up, when God begins to do something in our lives, it can be scary. God can call us to go to a different place. God can call us to do a different thing. God may be calling some, you to do something that's out of your comfort zone. And I'm telling you that when God shows up and when God calls you to something, that that can be a very, very scary place When these angels show up to these shepherds, they are terrified. Because God and his majesty can be terrifying. But the message is, do not be afraid. We have not come to harm you, but we have come to bring you a message of hope. And when God is pushing you, and when God is leading you, and when that seems scary and unknown, do not be afraid. Because God has a plan for you and God wants to do something amazing. That there, he wants you to know that there is nothing to fear here. Second thing is, is that he says, I bring you good news of great joy. This fall, we spent a couple months studying the book of Romans. The book of Romans is a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul. And one of the things that we said while we were in that was that one of Paul's purposes in writing the book of Romans was to fully explain the gospel message, right? He he wanted to make the gospel clear. And the word gospel literally means 
good news. This is the story of hope that we're talking about. This is the good news that Jesus was born. The good news message that will bring great joy is that Jesus has come to the world and that he came to save us from our sins. This is an announcement that was made by the angels. The gift of Jesus, Jesus' arrival to earth, is good news for God's people. Here's the thing. Jesus is good news for us, too. He's good news for everyone. He was good news for the shepherds on that night that change was happening and that hope had arrived. And he is good news for you, too. He is good news for each and every one of us because we are trapped and we are lost And we are broken. And Jesus brings us hope. Jesus' arrival is good news that brings great joy. Third thing I want us to see is that a Savior has been born. He says, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. In Matthew, we read that they are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus came to save. John 3:16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not die but have eternal life. Jesus's whole mission was to come to earth to save God's people. He came to save. And now when we think about that, It can be a tough thing. Last week, Rick was up here on stage, and he had shackles with him that that represented slavery, bondage. And we talked about this bondage of sin that we have. God's people that were delivered this message 2,000 years ago, the hope of Jesus, they didn't see sin as their big problem. Rome was their big problem. They wanted to be saved from Rome. They were being oppressed. They were living in an occupied state. And they wanted Rome gone. And so if you asked them what they needed, they would have asked for freedom. But not from freedom from their sin. Freedom from a tyrannical government. And if you ask us today what it is that we need, what it is that we really want... Sin's probably low on our totem pole. We've got debt problems that we probably want saved from. We've got depression, anxiety. We've got sickness, cancer. Sin isn't the thing that we see as our problem, but sin is the thing that God came to save us from. And we need to recognize and realize that sin is our problem. And God gave us the gift that we need not necessarily the gift that we ask for. The gift of Jesus goes beyond our physical needs and desires and deals with our soul and with our eternity. Jesus had a conversation with a woman at the well. She was thirsty and was there to get water. Jesus told her that if she drinks that water, she will get thirsty again, but he has access to a water that will make her thirst no more. What she wanted was temporary, and what God offers is eternal. And so when we think about the gift that God gives in the form of Jesus, understand that it is a gift of salvation. 
Today, a Savior has been born. Make no mistake, Jesus came and was born so that he could die on a cross. And that death saves us from our sins. Anyone who chooses to believe in the name of Jesus, who calls on him, has access to that. So today we want to take a look at how we live this out, how we live out the gifts that Jesus gives. And we're going to use the words that represent our Advent candles to do it. Last night, Katie and I went and we sat down and just shared some time with a family that's close to us. Uh, there's, a, uh, there's a girl that uh, I've known since she was born, uh, Jerrica. And so Jerrica and Rob is a couple and, uh, that are married and they have a, a young girl. So Jerrica, her father was my minister growing up and Jerrica grew up in my ministry. Jerrica, when she was in college, was one of my volunteers and, uh, and just somebody who I consider to be a close personal friend. Three days ago, Jerrica's husband, Rob, found out that he has stage four lung cancer. And man, I just can't imagine getting that news, finding that out right here before Christmas. They've got a two-year-old daughter. It's so severe that, that they started chemo right away. So Friday, he had a five-hour chemo session. So last night, we went over just to spend some time with him and to pray with him. And I'll tell you that, you know, when I got the message, I was just, it was a Thursday, and I was uh, sitting on the couch, and I was getting caught up on some Facebook stuff, and I started reading this post from Rob, and there I was, sitting on my sofa, just weeping, just crying, just broken because of the news that had happened. And I was afraid that when we went over there, it would be more the same, you know, just a whole lot of crying in, in the midst of this news that they got. But Katie and I left there, and we were really just remarked at how much hope Rob and Jerrica have, how much peace Rob and Jerrica have, and, and, and the joy and the love that they were sharing with us as they talked about just this journey that they've been on for only a few days and how people have showed up in their life. And so I just want to go through these for you really quick, but I just want to let you know that... that Look, they're not perfect, and I'm sure that they're going to have really, really hard days coming up. But it is possible for us to live with hope and peace and joy and love when we have the gift that is Jesus. And so we share hope, okay? It's the first thing we do. We share hope because that's what Jesus has done for us. When we were hopeless and when we were down and when we were out and when we were broken, Jesus' birth brings hope. There is no other way that we access salvation. There is no other way that we access heaven without Jesus. And so Jesus' arrival gives us hope. And so when life seems hopeless and when things seem like they're at their worst, we need to put our hope in Jesus. Because he changes everything. We live at peace because of the power of Jesus. We talk about this sometimes from the stage, and it's a difficult thing to talk about. There's a realization that we have to come to that not everything that we want fixed here on earth gets fixed here on earth. There's things that are broken, and there's things that are just not going to be put back the way that we want them to. But we live at peace because we know that our hope is not in the here and now. 
but we have peace because our hope is in the eternal. Jesus' gift is not one of right now, but the gift of Jesus is eternal. And we live at peace because the things that may seem broken here on earth are fixed in eternity. So we share hope, and we live at peace, and we have joy because of the freedom that we have in Jesus. Joy is one of the hardest things that we can cling to. Because in the midst of our brokenness, and in the midst of our trouble, in the midst of our sickness, sometimes it is just hard to live with joy. When we focus only on our circumstances and not on our future, when we focus only on our brokenness and not on our Redeemer, it's tough to have joy. But if we can understand that even in the midst of our mess, God is doing a miracle. Jarek and Rob were just sharing about the outpouring of love and support that they've received. The phone calls and the texts and the people showing up. And so in the midst of their hardest time, they had joy because they were experiencing love that you can't experience outside of Jesus. And so we love because he first loved me. We love others because we were loved. Even when we're broken, and even when we're messy, and even when things don't make sense, God loved us, and so we're called to love others. If you're going to be serving in communion today, ask that you go ahead and make your way to the back. God's people were desperately waiting for God to show up and deliver his promise. That promise arrived in the form of a child, and that child grew up to be a man who sacrificed himself on a cross. He was no ordinary man, though. He was God in the flesh. The miracle of Christmas is that God came to earth in the form of a child. The word Emmanuel means God with us, and that's exactly what God did. God showed up, and he came down, and he was with us. God is here. He showed up, he arrived when we needed him most, and, when, and he's here for us today. Today we celebrate the birth of Jesus the Savior of the world. Listen to this. The gift of God is salvation through Jesus. All right? Just let that sink in. When we talk about the gift that God gives, when we think about what it is that we celebrate at Christmas, the gift of God is salvation through Jesus. One of the things I've loved about December is that we've just had people who have been spurred to make decisions for Jesus. And so we've had several baptisms here in the month of December. And we just want to let you know that if you haven't experienced the life change that Jesus offers, that we're here to talk to you about it. We would love to talk to you about the gift that Jesus gives. There is no better time than now, no better time than today, than to choose Jesus as a gift. And so this morning, if that's something that you're interested in, come and talk to me. You can, you can come and talk to one of our prayer team members. You can mark it on your connection card, and we will contact you. But we would love to talk to you about what it looks like to claim Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The gift of God is salvation through Jesus. Would you pray with me? Generally, Father, we thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for the life change that we experience through your Son, Jesus. 
We thank you so much for the gift that was given. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.